0: written in the book of first Peter chapter number four is where we still are we've almost made it to chapter five but we will tonight chapter number four of the book of first Peter and let's back up to verse 14 and then we'll continue on in our reading now remember uh, in this chapter in uh, entitled that I entitled this chapter the warfare consider and um, I'm not on so let me get on, and then we'll, maybe it'll get on. We're looking here. at the end of chapter four, we all now. All right, thank you, Brother Michael. At the end at the beginning of chapter number four, we were looking at the warfare considered. And, um, and we've made it down almost to the end here. Uh, we've armed our mind, arrested our members. We're anticipating the Messiah acting from the manifold and this horrible alliteration. But it is what it is. Appreciate the miserable. And that's where we started before we get into chapter number five. We'll finish that up. Verse 14 of 1 Peter uh, chapter number four. Um, If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. And so you can glorify the Lord in these situations without opening your mouth. And sometimes it's even better if you don't. When you're being reproached, remember he said, when you're reviled, revile not again. And so they may be reviling and they may be speaking evil of Christ and may be speaking evil of you. uh, But you don't have to defend yourself. You can be silent and bring glory to the Lord by not reviling and returning uh, that kind of behavior. Is that right? So on your part, he would be glorified if you handle it properly. Now, verse 15 says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or a busybody in other men's matters. And we ended our last uh, time when we were in First Peter 4 here, uh, looking at this matter of a busybody in other men's matters, and uh, we can't get enough of that uh, kind of preaching. It's kind of like preaching on the tongue. Uh, you can't get too much of that. Uh, we've all got a little member in our bodies that causes us the most trouble, and the Bible says it's set on fire of hell. And so we must be extremely careful uh, uh, with our tongues and um, being involved in uh, things we should not be involved with. And we looked at that, so we'll move on. But verse number 16 said, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. It should be something we should be uh, thankful for, being allowed to suffer Uh, and nothing to be ashamed of uh, that people make fun of us for believing the Bible. There's nothing to be ashamed of there. This world, this country especially, wants us to feel ashamed for being against and taking a stand for certain things. Uh, They want you to feel... Um, this, is, this is their main tactic uh, uh, of the left and, and even the right at times, but talking politically. But in the world speaking, they want to try to paint you into a box. They want to try to, you're a bigot. If you don't accept that uh, two men can get married, you're hateful, you're mean, and you're bigoted. They want to name call you, and you want to feel ashamed to believe that God would be against that. Uh, to deny people love, you know, you've heard all the crazy arguments that they make, and what do they want you to do? They want you to feel ashamed of that. Uh, they want you to be ashamed to be a Bible-believing Christian. You ought, to, you ought to be ashamed that you don't dress like the world and talk like the world and act like the world. Uh, and that's what they think. They, they try to shame us uh, into submission uh, by making you isolated and feeling like somehow you're not part of the rest of the group. Uh, you're not truly American if you don't do such and such, or you're not a certain color if you don't vote for a certain president. They want to they make you uh, any way that they can try to alienate you and make you feel like you're weird, you're abnormal uh, for not being. And the Bible does say we're peculiar, uh, but uh, there's nothing weird or abnormal about believing the Bible, right? Right standing on the bible there's nothing weird or abnormal and nor is there anything to be ashamed of but that is the world's tactics and so when we suffer uh, for these things and we're categorized and we're grouped and we're put into little boxes by the world and and called names and labeled and um you know it was, uh, don't, don't feel ashamed by that. Don't feel don't let your don't don't let yourself feel. Uh, don't get down. Don't get depressed over those kinds of things. Don't, don't let that get to you. Because uh, in fact, the God said uh, the Bible said, glorify God because that's what you're doing. You're glorifying God by standing for what's right. Uh, young people, a lot of your uh, friends that claim to be saved, they're going to go away from the church and they're going to run for the world and you're not going to go with them, right? You're not going to go that round. And so they're probably going to make fun of you And they're probably going to make you try to feel ashamed For not running in the same excess of riot You're missing out on all the fun uh, All of those types of things that they'll try to tell you uh, I, I don't think you're going to miss out on anything In fact, I think you will The only thing you're going to miss out on is judgment, right? And so just stay the course Keep fighting the good fight And stay with God and You'll end up all right But on your part uh, they speak evil of those things, and uh, you, you know, but on your part, uh, the Lord is glorified. But now, don't suffer as the things listed in verse 15, uh, and so don't be ashamed in verse 16 to suffer as a Christian. Just glorify God on this behalf. Verse 17, for the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? That a, that's a, ought to put a little fear in the heart of anybody that might be lost here tonight. Um, uh, the Lord, uh, the Bible said here in verse eighteen, "If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly uh, and the sinner appear?" Uh, so when you look in on family business and see how God deals with His people, um, and uh, you look at you say, "If you're unsaved and you're looking in on those things," you need to be reminded of one thing: uh, Yes, we may suffer. Yes, we we have to deal with chastisement and. Um, There's all kinds of things we deal with at the house of God and judgment does begin at us. uh, But I wouldn't, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't be glorying in that because one day if you don't know God, uh, the Bible says here, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? And uh, your days are coming too, right? And so, um, anyhow, let me just move on. We covered that verse, I believe. Verse number 18, excuse me, rather, verse number 19. uh, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. And this is an encouraging verse. This kind of sums up this warfare that we're in. He's talked about this warfare uh, that we are to consider, and it's a constant battle. It's a constant. There's never a time uh, uh, that we are not having to fight in one way or another, fighting our own flesh, fighting the enemy, fighting, you know, the unfruitful works of darkness. We're uh, battling, the Bible says, against principalities and powers. If you're praying, you're in battles in one form or another. And he's called us to that. He's chosen us to be soldiers, not bystanders. So we suffer a lot. We go through a lot and deal with a lot. Uh, But this verse, uh, the final verse of this dealing with his suffering is quite comforting. It says, wherefore, let them that suffer. Are you a Christian in here tonight and suffering uh, according to the will of God? Uh, Then he's going to give you a little bit of comfort here. Uh, whatever it is you're suffering. I don't care what it is. Here's what he wants you to be comforted knowing. Commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Now, let me just give you a little something before we get into chapter number five. Uh, this This word that he uses in verse 19 as this word commit is actually a banking term. It means to give in charge as a deposit. To deposit for protection to the, to the, uh, into another's charge. To take your hands off and place your uh, treasures into the care of some where it is more safe. And so that's what he's exhorting you and me here to do. Through all this suffering, and uh, if you use the illustration and thinking in banking terms, if you uh, what most people do is they'll go to a a bank that's uh, got guards and heavy metal doors, and uh, uh, they'll buy a safe deposit box. Will they not? They'll put their deeds in there. They'll put their life insurance policies in there. Their their most treasured things. That uh, uh, of course it's uh, probably all on the internet nowadays, but. uh, uh, in the old days, you went and got a safe deposit box, and, and you put it into the hands because it's safer there than it would be at your home, right? You, you want to put your valuables where they're more safe, where they're uh, safer than maybe you're able to keep it. You might be as some and have buried it, and I know a man right now, uh, he's related to me, and as far as they know, they think he buried somewhere along the lines of about $50,000. He didn't trust the banks. Well, he died and never told anybody where it was. A lot of good that did. And uh, so anyhow, you might be like that. You might get older and forget where you put it. Um, I got a few amens out of that. I'm only 37, Brother Reed, and I don't know where I put my keys half the time. I know one man that lost them in the the floorboard of his vehicle. (laughs) Do you know about it? (laughs) Hey, our valuables aren't safe in our possession. We can, we can. I'm about as armed to the teeth. I, I've got guns just about every corner of my house. I, I, I mean, you know. I, but, but uh, there's a problem. Sometimes I'm asleep. <laughs> them guns ain't going to do no good, right? You can buy alarms. They'll bypass them. You can buy a dog, and he'll throw him a biscuit and rub up beside him. You know. I, I, your, your your most valuable things that you could think of, people generally speaking, uh, they would take them to a bank or somewhere where they're heavily guarded and people are paid to watch them and uh, their more expensive security system and they're safe there. And that's the word kind of picture here is you commit those things into the trust of that bank. And uh, this is speaking and obviously not in banking terms, but uh, just to give us a picture there, What he's saying is to entrust your soul. Uh, The most valuable thing that anybody in this building has is not in the bank. It's not in a safe deposit box. The most valuable thing that you have is your soul. It is eternal. It will go on forever somewhere. And what we must do is commit that soul into the safety of somewhere. It's not safe in your own hands. You're fallen. You're, you're, you're of your father Adam. You're of the earth and earthy. You can't keep your soul in safe and well doing because you can't do well. You can't have any power over your own life to lay it down or take it again. You wake up one day and then you might not the next day. You're, uh, the power of life is completely out of your hands. You don't have uh, control over those things. You uh, Your soul is not safe in your own hands. The only place that our soul is safe, is secure, is safe, and it is as safe as the character of Almighty God. And that's why we sing those songs, as long as he lives, i live, and uh, as long as he never dies, I'll never die. And uh, and so uh, the Bible says here that we're to commit our souls uh, uh, into the hands of this, and there's this qualifying word there, this faithful creator. Uh, Brother Nathan, that's why he said uh, that uh, um, uh, that, uh, that I, And uh, those things that I've committed unto him, he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. This faithful creator, if you'll commit your soul to him, this now you can't keep your hands on it, right? You can't take it to the bank and say, I'm going to put this in the safe deposit box. And they're just going to say, well, are you going to give it to me or not? You know, we've got to put it in the box. You, you can't keep your hands on it. You totally take your hands off of it and entrust it into the care of a superior power. Somebody who is able to keep it. Someone who is able uh, to uh, keep it safe and secure. And as you're suffering, the same goes. And we did that when we were saved. But every day as we die daily, we have to commit our souls into the hands of this faithful creator who will keep our soul. Uh, if you think about the soul, if you think about uh, all the things that are involved and attached to the soul, uh, um, it, it's in safe keeping with the Lord. Your, your emotions, you, uh, you getting depressed, you getting down, you being happy, all the things that you might go through in this t- uh, time of suffering, if you'll just keep committing your soul uh, unto God, this faithful creator, it'll be safe. Now, let me read this this verse to you. I had to write it down. I could quote it. Somebody sent it to me and it helped me this week. It's Proverbs 18:10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. As the old umpires would say, safe. Safe and secure in the arms of this faithful creator. We are safe. Commit your soul. Young people, let me exhort you. Commit your soul to this faithful creator. That is the only place the soul of man is safe. In the hands of God, the creator. See, he created that soul. Did he not? Out of the dust of the earth, he formed man. And breathed into that man, into his nostrils, the breath of life. Hallelujah. Made after the image of God. Wonderfully blessed. And if you want that, where else would it be safe but in the hands of the ones that made it? (laughs) The ones that gave it life. Uh, The hands of him, this faithful creator. The righteous, he's a strong tower. Run into him and you'll be safe in Jesus. Well, I'm not going to make it. All this stuff's going on in my life. I, uh, I'm being attacked. I, I'm being this. People saying this. And I, uh, the world says this. And I, boy, I'm suffering. Uh, I, I'm suffering watching my loved ones and how they uh, live in their lives and rebellion to God. I'm su- There's all kinds of suffering. Just c- keep committing your soul into the hands of this faithful creator. You'll be all right. We're going to make it. The ladies sing that song. I'm going to make it. Well, I'm going to make it. He's going to make it. And if he makes it, I'm going to make it. My life is hid with Christ in God. And so, wherefore, let them suffer, them that suffer according to the will of God, commit the commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Hallelujah for the Lord, for keeping us. Uh, that's not a... Um, a task we can accomplish. You cannot keep your soul. You're going to have to commit it to God. Deposit it into His care. <laughs> you know uh, no nobody can get to your soul if you've committed your soul to God and it's safe in God uh, then nobody can get there to bother it. Isn't that a fair assumption? If If my soul has been committed into the hands of God, uh, then I'm just trusting what he's going to do with it, right? It takes a lot of the load off of you. Boy, I know people, they just try to fix everything. We we have that in our nature. We just want to fix everything. We want to fix everybody. I want to fix my children. I want to make their decisions for them. (laughs) Is anybody else like that? We try to fix everything. I can't even fix my own self. So young people, when you leave this church, if you do, I hope you don't. But if you go on to college and you go on down somewhere uh, and get married and somebody takes you out of here, I'm going to do everything I can not let it happen, dads. We're not going to let them marry somebody else. We're we're not going to let them leave. But... uh, and you go on, you you go on, life some, may take you somewhere else. You just keep committing your soul unto God. You keep it safe and secure in God. Just keep yourself committed to God. Top priority. Everything else. You might fail in some areas, but you better not fail to commit your soul to God. Keep committing unto the Lord. It's safe in Him. Amen. I'm I'm thrilled with that. A lot's going to come our way in the end of time. I don't know how much we're going to see Jesus can come at any moment and step out and we'll hear uh, the voice of the archangel. We'll hear a trump. We'll hear a shout. There's uh, there's nothing uh, withholding him from coming. He can come any time that he wants to. Uh, But we're seeing suffering coming on the scene. Uh, It gets worse and worse. I don't know what all we're going to get into but this much I know Christian. If you committed your soul to God it's Safe. You are safe. You are safe. You are safe. And so committed unto him in well-doing. You have done well to commit your soul to God. I've committed myself to people and they've let me down. Have you? You've given them everything you had and they just turn on you. That's what human nature does. Don't let that shock you. People do that. But you can commit yourself to a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He'll never leave you, never forsake you, never turn on you. The Bible said He's a faithful creator. He's never going to, every promise He's ever made will come true. He'll go to you to the, with you to the end of the world. He's going to keep your soul. He's going to keep you. Uh, in fact, He's going to give you a new body that's fashioned like unto His. He's going to take you to a home that's gonna, uh, that's fairer than day. He's going to uh, take wipe the tears from your eyes. You'll never know pain. You'll never know crying, disappointment. You'll live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and in the safety and security of this strong tower. Where we'll never grow old. I got to have a mind to sing that. Little Jordan tells me all the time she said I don't want to get old. I don't want to grow up like sissy. Well, honey, I'm going to a land where we'll never grow old. Hallelujah. You say, well, how old will you be? I don't know. Do you know? I don't know how you age a person that's eternal. So it'd be hard to say I would be 33. Maybe we'll be as Jesus was 33 in the third year and having a body fashion like it is we'll be olive colored. I I don't know answer all those things. This much I know based on this Bible. My soul will be safe there. Amen. Smartest decision I've ever made. Wisest investment I've ever made is to commit my soul to the creator God of heaven. (laughs) I've doubted a lot of decisions I've made but I've never doubted that one. Hallelujah! I hope you're saved tonight. All right, now that sums up these sufferings. So we'll just take just a few minutes introduce this, and then we'll, we're going to have our business meeting tonight. So we don't want to run this on too long. But I want to begin to look at this, and then we'll pick back up um, and begin to continue on in this thought. So I don't know how far we'll get, but chapter number five I entitled "The Worker's Clothing" and uh, uh, or the wardrobe of the Christian. Uh, the worker's clothing. And he begins where he should begin at the. At, well, I don't want to put it that way because sometimes it's just taken the wrong way. Um, uh, uh, start out at the top, uh, is what I was going to say. Uh, but that's not really the reality uh, of the New Testament. Uh, but what I mean is start out with leadership. Uh, one man has told me many times in my. Uh, short uh, life as a Christian, it all rises and falls on leadership. How many people have heard that? and uh, he begins this, this uh, uh, closing statement here in chapter number 5 and he begins with that very idea uh, that things are going to hinge quite uh, dramatically uh, on the leadership. Would that be uh, a fair statement? Uh, things are going to hinge a lot on the leadership of the church. The uh, uh, Things are going to hinge on the leadership in the home, right? Men, uh, we're leaders of our home and uh, not so go mama, but usually so goes daddy, Uh, so goes the home, right? And so uh, uh, here he begins in the church, uh, beginning with um, the one who is the overseer. He begins and he starts out in chapter 5 and verse 1, the elders which are among you. And so uh, these elders are in a plural manner because there's uh, ones in different areas, but this word elder here is the same one that you'll see referenced as a bishop. Um, This is a pastor. This is what that word elder here. uh, Those words are used interchangeably except in context where you'll understand he's speaking of older folks, elderly. Um, But this here is speaking to elders in the sense of pastors and bishops. And so he starts out uh, beginning with me and talking to me and and pastors that are in that position. And he said, which are among you I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Witnessing, one testifying to what has been seen. Uh, He's actually seen, a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Isn't that wonderful? That's uh, all of us can uh, come right in on that. The glory that shall be revealed. The Bible talks a lot about that. I don't want to get hung up there, uh, but there is quite a bit to that. Verse number two, let me go on. Here's what he charges the elders of these churches, these pastors here. Here's what his charge is to them. And I think it's uh, uh, um, been uh, so well taught here. I'm not going to go in depth into all of those things because this church just, we just don't need that. But it is good to cover the grounds of the elder and what's expected of him. And number one responsibility of a pastor. The number one responsibility, if I asked you that question, what in your, just in your mind, don't answer it out loud, but if I asked you tonight, what do you think that that my number one responsibility is? Uh, now most of you older been around here a while uh, your your first response is going to be preach the word of God be instant in season out of season no, reprove rebuke exhort all long suffering and doctrine and you'd be right that that is the number one responsibility of God's pastors is to preach the word of God now That uh, I'm using preaching there uh, but uh, this is feed I'm going to back up and use the word to feed uh, the flock of God because a bishop then must also be apt to teach he must be able to teach so by teaching and preaching of the word of God he is to feed people not his opinions, not politics not headlines, not news stories he is to preach and to feed people the word of God amen and uh, so that is the number one responsibility of any pastor that's been called uh, by God and is pastoring a church today and I, if I ever get in a place where I get too much going on in my life that I don't have time to give myself to the study of this Bible to be able to feed you people the word of God I'm going to quit and go get me a job. Right? I can fail you in a lot of ways. I may not be at every uh, single uh, time uh, that you hurt yourself, and I should be. I may not be able to faithfully visit, and I should be. I may not be able to do a lot, a lot of areas that this preacher and any other pastor can fail. But God have mercy on our souls if we fail to feed you the Word of God. That is the most important thing a pastor can do. I don't care how charismatic that he is. I don't care how friendly he is. I don't care. I I mean, there are some uh, people, and and boy, they're so gifted at that. Uh, uh, And that's wonderful. Uh, But I'm telling you, the most vital thing for a pastor and the most important thing for the people in the church is that they are fed the Word of God rightly divided. Not in word only, but in spirit, in power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. And uh, so we um, cannot fail. And so, well, Brother Clint, how can I pray for you? Pray that I don't ever fail in that great obligation that I have to God. I'm going to answer to God for that. I've got to feed you, faithfully feed you the Word of God. So this thing happened with my throat, and this thing, well, it, it, it bothered me all to pieces because I couldn't do what God called me to do. And my prayer is like, God, I'm not trying to tell you your business, but Lord, I'm going to need that voice if I'm going to feed them, right? And I've used that example as like a pitcher losing his arm. But the truth is, he could use his other arm and train himself to throw left-handed. Could he not? You only got one voice. He's <laughs> not going to be able to do it. I can sign to you, but I don't think that's going to work. Now, so... Elders, this is what he says to you, uh, to anybody, pastor of the church, the most important thing, I cannot, and here's what the devil constantly does. Uh, and this is why you constantly have to be a prayer for me. Because he wants to do, introduce anything he can uh, to get me out, study to show thyself, approved unto God, work it needs not to be ashamed, rightly divine the word of truth. He will work anything he can into my life to keep me from effectively feeding you the word of God, right? Anything. He'll do anything he can do. He'll try to offend you with it so that you won't listen. I've talked to some people years ago and said, well, I'm going to be respectful to him. I'm going to stay here. I'm not going anywhere, but I'm not going to listen to him. I don't have the words for the kind of stupidity that is. Well, get somewhere where you can get fed, right? That's what's the most important thing for our family. Get someone. I want my children. You, you parents. What's the most one of the most important things you want? You want a pastor that's going to preach the word of God to your children. Man, I can't fail you in that. Pray for your pastor that he'll feed you the word of God. Amen. That's a boy. That's an important job. There's so so much uh, there that I would like to continue on, but. Uh, I am online if you're a member of a church and you happen to be listening uh, man uh, pray for your pastor pray that he'll be able to feed you the word of God how many times did he tell Peter you love me feed my right if you love me here's what God tells me if oh Lord I love you Lord I love you and I do love the Lord all right brother clean if you love me feed my people See you're not mine. You don't belong to me. right? You're God's. I'm a steward. I'm an overseer, the word's going to use here. But you belong to God. That's why this crowd, do you ever get in a church where they have an unquestioning, undying loyalty to a man? Run. That is what we call a cult, right? Well, that feels good to preach. We've got to have business meeting, but these are great. These are great scriptures. I, and, and, and here's why I think they're so great, because it, it's just so helpful to be reminded. I've seen people get so upset Now, a pastor, not, and, and, and not here. I don't think I could name one thing to even use as an example here. And so I have to go back in my pitiful little memory. But I do remember somebody being mad at one preacher because he wouldn't go back to shake hands with them. Now, brother, read. I try my best to shake hands, but if I fail to shake your hand, but I'm feeding you the Bible, hang in there. Hang in there. Right? I, and I know it hurts. I, I know it does. I, I know you uh, people won't loved and they won't cared for and they won't. And there's places that'll roll the red carpet out for you, uh, and uh, you can find them. And they're not hard to find. Uh, but uh, just get. What I'm saying is, get in somewhere where somebody loves you enough more than shaking your hand and making you feel good to make sure you come back. Somebody that'll get up and preach the Bible to you. Right? The unadulterated truth, regardless, and who's not going to change what he preaches based on how much money he's getting. Right? Because that's what he's going to go on and deal with. Well, I can't deal with that because so-and-so gives good. You giving good here don't buy you extra favors not getting preached to. Has anybody ever heard people doing that before? Boy, I'm glad we don't have to deal with that, aren't you? But it's good to keep us under. So that elder, my, my greatest desire of my heart The greatest desire in my heart is to feed this church the word of God. And I thank the Lord that nobody interferes with that. I thank each and every person. I know churches right now. I know them right now, brother. I know them right now. Well, they are literally trying to tell preachers what to preach and what not to preach. Well, I thank God I can be in a church nobody's ever even suggested a verse I ought to preach or not to preach. Nobody gets involved in that business whatsoever. Thank the Lord. And so just keep that going. Keep that going. Say, well, I don't think that's the message you ought to preach. Well, the Lord will deal with me. It may not have been. I may have missed it. But just let the Lord deal with me on that, right? Anyway, these are, these are some things that are just good to cover. It's maybe, maybe, you know, you say, well, are you trying to deal with Absolutely not. There's not a thing like that going on here. And, I, and it thrills my heart. I couldn't imagine having to worry about whether somebody approved of my message and they were going to leave if they didn't like it. I just couldn't imagine trying to pastor that way. So I want to thank you for loving this preacher enough to just let me preach. Just let me pray. And, and, and when I do uh, make mistakes because I'm a man or do something, you just pray for me and love me and God will help me. Amen. Do you believe that? Because here's what, remember what he said, what we just, you know the verse we just left? You've committed yourself not to me for safekeeping. Your soul's not committed to me. Your soul's committed to God, right? And that God said this in Jeremiah, I'm going to give you pastors a gift from my own heart. That's what a pastor is. A gift from the heart of God. Now don't get mad about that. I'm not a very good gift. I'm a big gift. not a very good one. But that's what he is. He's a gift from the heart of God. Boy, we are blessed in these days, aren't we? Don't you just love the truth? Now, he tells these elders, now, don't get sidetracked with a bunch of other stuff. Uh, and, and every bit of God's business is vital. It's important. And I believe one man said it in the, in the business meeting, I think, that we have. There's no business, or maybe it was Brother Beard, but uh, you'll agree with this, and I'm done. We'll finish up here. Uh, There's no business on planet Earth more important than God's business. And that is a true statement. There's nothing going on on Wall Street more important than what's going on in that, in the local churches. This country's not hinging on, on stock advisors. It's hinging on people in the pews and people in the pulpits praying and preaching the Word of God. We've got to have a business meeting. Well, we're going to go into these and look more at some of these verses to um, just to be refreshed on. Feed the flock of God which is among you. I don't feed other people sheep. I wish many pastors could read that verse again. I, it's not my job. Uh, I, I feed the flock of God, which is among you, right? Yeah, the church here—that's my people. I don't have business pastoring other members, right? To other churches. Some men don't have that verse down yet. Now, feed the flock of which among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. And I could go through these verses. We're going to stop here tonight because we've got a business meeting. Uh, but you can read on ahead, and we'll come back to this uh, in dealing with the man of God and talking about how he should be uh, taking the oversight, not being forced to do it. He shouldn't be doing it involving money and various things. So we'll, we'll go through that. And look at it, and it will be a great help to all of us to just be reminded of that great truth uh, about the uh, pastor. And then I get to sit there and uh, read them and think, Oh Lord, help me. (laughs) Help me. I see I failed this one and this one and this one. So you pray for me, and I'll be praying for you. Okay, stand to your feet, and let's. um, We won't have an altar call tonight. Let's just pray. Uh, I'm gonna just uh, have a prayer. And uh, then we'll have our uh, uh, business meeting uh, for tonight. Uh, Brother Jones, would you pray for us, uh, brother? And uh, uh, go ahead and pray for the business meeting also. We'll just go right into it.